The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Fast Money starts right now, live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Your traders on the desk are Tim Seymour, Mark Tepper, Tepper Dan Nathan, and Guy Dami. Check out shares of Tesla taking a hit today, briefly dropping below 200 bucks a share as the electric vehicle maker faces a mountain of issues. So what can save the stock? We've got some details. Plus, tech stocks getting crushed today as tensions rise between China and the U.S. And Rebecca Patterson says this could be just the beginning of the tech cold war. We start right there with the trade war tech pain. Check out some of the carnage today as Alphabet and the chip makers pull away from Chinese tech giant Huawei. The chips getting crushed. Qualcomm, Broadcom both down 6%. Apple's down 3% as HSBC says there's more trade war pain ahead for the tech giant. So with tech caught in the crossfire, what do you do right now? Well, I think you think the market's going to continue to go lower. I, I could say you go to healthcare, you go to energy, but the short of this is the market double topped in the S&P at 29.40. We've talked about that a number of times. I don't think the VIX is nearly uh, high enough to to equate with what's going on in the world. And quite frankly, if you think there's some U.S.-China trade deal that's going to be struck in the 11th hour, I don't think it's going to happen. And I've said this for a while. I don't think that I think the Chinese have been stringing us along. I think they've been preparing for this for months, if not the last year. And I think there's more pain ahead for the broader stock market. I mean, the semis alone for the past month down about 17 plus percent here. So we're getting the swipe of just the general trade war hitting the broader sector, but also the specific hits because of Huawei. Yeah, and, and obviously, as we see Google begin what's going to be an exodus of U.S. companies from doing business with Huawei, you, you have this sense of this is really happening. I don't think people. So, you know, Guy talked about it, the Chinese maybe have, have been planning this for a long time. He may be absolutely right. Um, no question the market has not been planned for this. And, and the reality is uh, what, what's gone on here is it looked like we were going to cut a deal that seemed to me, based upon all the details we had of this deal, which was going to be a great deal for China. So actually, you know, if you want to put your American flag on right now, I think it's not a bad place for it to be pushing back on a trade war that I think was not going to be solved based upon the rhetoric we were hearing up until we heard it got nasty. Um, the bottom line here is that markets really didn't price this in. And if you think about the, the genesis of the trade war last year, it really led to this place where CEOs began this, this dialogue of uncertainty uh, that began to dominate the headlines. And that is leading indicators. And that is a context, context of where, um, you know, let's face it, think about the places we would be all most concerned on this desk if the world really slowed down. We'd go to Europe. Well, guess who's got the biggest export economy? It's effectively Europe. And they're going to suffer a lot more than we will. So um, a pullback of 4% in semis is, is dramatic. And in fact, it's cascading. It's not getting better here. Um, and, and I just think that markets, uh, which on the headlines, and maybe even to the administration, appear eh, not so bad. S&P's down a little bit. Um, obviously, if you look at emerging markets, we're at all-time lows. All-time lows on a relative basis to the S&P, meaning they've been absolutely underperforming and at their worst level ever. Yeah, so it's interesting. We've mentioned the semis a couple times here, and we know that you know 2018 was a really weird year for this component supplier to all of these major OEMs, which Huawei is a major Android OEM. They make t- almost 25% of the handsets on Android. And it's really important to remember because we talk about Apple versus Android, you know, uh, Android has like 85% market share globally. So when you think that, that Huawei has 25%, this is a really interesting um, time for the 
supply chain on the smartphone market at a time when we know that we are seeing a plateauing of demand. We've seen actual smartphone units drop year over year for the last three years here. So what's really interesting to me is that the SMH, the ETF that's tracked the semiconductor group, is down about 17, 18% from those recent highs. Last year, when this was very an omnipresent threat to the uh, supply chain and smartphones, you know, we had almost a 30% peak to trough decline. So, you know, yes, it's gone down in a straight line, 17%. Is there more to come? Possibly this is going to be a drawn out thing. And let me just tell you, this is not really a big positive for Apple for a whole host of reasons. We know Apple is down 3.5%. This is actually huge for uh, South Korea's um, uh, Samsung. Samsung. I mean, very obvious. Yeah, so I mean, typically during periods of political uncertainty, that ends up being a contrarian <laughs> indicator. So the way I feel right now is a lo- there's just a lot of market noise right now. And if you're able to tune out the market noise and you still believe that the uptrend is intact, it gives investors an opportunity to identify some positions that they'd like to be in, possibly at some very attractive entry points. So when we talk about tech, yeah, semis are getting crushed, but there's still a big opportunity within software. So a lot of the software companies, you know, you're talking high margin revenues, recurring revenues on a subscription basis. So companies like Salesforce, Microsoft, I think there's some great opportunities to get in at great prices within those stocks. So tune out the noise when it comes to sectors that are not being directly hit. Correct. I mean, it gives you an opportunity to find good value, right? Is there a way to tune out the noise within semis or the sectors that are directly But here's the thing. It's really dangerous. You know, listen, all those those recurring, high recurring revenues, the software names, they actually haven't gotten hit yet. You know, the S&P 500 is not even 4% from those highs. You're looking at a a high growth area like, you know, once high growth area like semis down 17%. I think to dip your toe in the water right here, down 4%, with Microsoft down just a few percent from the highs, you might be a little early. And it really depends on your time horizon. You know, Salesforce is another one. High valuation high growth. Um, But, you know, if we do have a protracted trade war, what really that means is we might see enterprise spending drop. Which is going to be software and which is going to be cloud. And and, and some of this was already getting to a place where we were starting to hear some pushback in terms of uh, demand in cloud. And depending on who you were talking to, despite the fact that that, you know it's been the driver of Microsoft's outperformance, it's been a resurgence for Intel. Um, I think these are places. So I I would agree with Dan, at least that uh, I think the enterprise spend is, is at risk here. I think we haven't gotten a fresh downgrade of global growth because we just don't know yet. And I think what's going to be really interesting here is you could make an argument that the Fed, uh, the, essentially the impact of the Fed hikes um, has not been fully felt by markets yet. You and and, and you add in a stronger dollar and you really have another tightening condition. I mean, that's the argument of UBS's strategist who has a 2550 <laughs> price target on the S&P 500. That, that the Fed has not that been the hikes, That the yeah. hikes that have, had happened last year have not been felt yet. And so we're still waiting for that to hit as we potentially are, are getting into the slowdown. But in terms of enterprise spend, are you worried about that? Should this I, I, I am worried about enterprise spend, but I do feel like Salesforce is one of those companies that's insulated from it. I mean, what, what Salesforce does is they provide a, a CRM program to businesses that improve profitability, improve efficiency, and I think when the economy actually slows down, there are going to be a ton of costs that cut, get cut way before they cut anyone cuts their CRM program. I mean, you'll, you'll drop employees, you will drop advertising costs, marketing costs, but you're not going to drop the engine that drives your business. And I, listen, we've loved Salesforce on this test for quite some time. We've talked about it, but in, in this environment, in a stock that's trading close to 50 times forward earnings, to Dan's point, at a certain point, people will look and say, you know what, valuation is too rich. Let's start getting out of these some of these high flyers. I don't think they'll be, um, I don't think they'll be 
protected from that, in my opinion. Yeah, but Mark, your analysis is not wrong by any means. It's really a matter of timing, and I think it's really important to remember that, you know, when we had these exact same concerns in Q4, when these high-growth things were getting nailed, they had 30 40% peak-to-trough decline. So my view is is that Salesforce, you know, was trading at 165. Now it's 155 on a 3.5% move from the highs in the S&P 500. You may want to be a little patient, is all I'm saying. It does matter. Time horizon matters. What do, you, what do you do with tech more broadly? Well, I mean, how do you feel about tech given the environment and given that you know higher multiple names could get hit the hardest? I, I think we've seen this at, at different. If, if we're going into you know maybe a second half of the year where you're going to start to get downgrades on global growth beyond what we've already uh, endured, um, I, I think we've seen that the market, the high multiple names, don't perform, um, and in fact they're under attack. And, and you can make an argument that actually the the damage technically, and I'll leave this for all those great chartists we have on, but something like a Netflix is resting really right on top of a level that it, it rose up to uh, after the downdraft of December and, in fact, is getting very much near. This 230 level on Netflix means you fall off here and there's some big multiple names that I think run into some trouble. So uh, I think if you're playing defensively here, it, it's probably in the bricks and mortar of tech and, and it may be in even an uh, NVIDIA, at least where you've gotten recent data points. Um, and you, you have companies that maybe have carved out um, a moat in terms of their, their core business and their chips. Right. You're eyeing NVIDIA, right, Mark? Yeah, I love NVIDIA. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what, if, we, if this stock pulls back a little more, if we can get it in that 130 to 145 price range, if it falls into our lap, we'd be buying shares right now. I mean, in my opinion, it's a best of breed chip stock. It gives us exposure to autonomous vehicles, gaming, data center, all the places we want to be. And I, I think it's almost priced right. I think it's fair to pick levels. And I think that's what you should be doing if you're watching at home. But one thing I'll say in terms of the broader market, you know, the S&P made an all-time high within the last couple of weeks. The Russell never verified that, by the way. As a matter of fact, the IWM didn't get anywhere close to where we saw over this past summer, which to me is troubling. So again, you look at the S&P 500, in my world, that's a major double top at 29.40, pick your poison, and it doesn't sort of bode well, especially with the VIX at 16.5, which to me speaks to the complacency that's been in this market for the last decade. All right. Our next guest says even if there is a trade deal, this tech cold war between the U.S. and China is just getting started. Let's bring in Rebecca Patterson, Chief Investment Officer at Bessemer Trust. Rebecca, always great to see you. Um, your overweight technology, though, mm-hmm. so how does that square with this notion of a tech cold war? Well, a lot of the conversation you all have been having on the desk already with some of the organic growth that we think we're going to continue to see, whether it's in a Tencent or Alibaba in China or something like a Salesforce here in the U.S., we don't think that's going away whether there's a trade war or not. There's going to be a lot of noise and volatility in the single names, but as a trend, we still like that trend. But the whole concept of the tech cold war, which we started writing about a year ago, is the idea that, um, just like we saw when the U.S. got nervous about Japan in the 1980s, the U.S. is now having similar, not exactly the same nerves about China today. That China, as it goes on its growth path, could become the largest economy in the world on a number of different fronts in our lifetimes, in our career. But it's not just the economic strength that makes us nervous. It's about what they do with the technology that could translate into geostrategic strength and military strength. And so 5G is just an example. Huawei is an example of the tech dominance that I think makes U.S. fearful. And it's not just a Republican Party issue. I think there's bipartisan nervousness around this. And that's why I don't think the tech Cold War goes away. 
I think there is a good chance we'll get a trade deal. I don't know when it is and what the details of the deal are, but even if we get that deal and some tariff levels go down over time, this nervousness and, and the limitations our government's going to try to put around tech to protect the U.S. economically and militarily is here for a long time. So how do you extrapolate the 5G build out to other subsectors within technology? So you have to think about if the U.S. is going to make it harder for us to partner overseas with certain economies and vice versa. So where does the capital go? We're going to see companies relocating. We're going to see companies changing their supply chains over time. I'm talking about years, not months or weeks. Um, so this is slow. It's going to affect capital flows. You have to think, who's going to be our ally? Who will America partner with? So does, do we see more money going to Scandinavian countries that are making telecom equipment? Do we have certain allied countries in Asia we prefer to partner with? So you have to think long term, where does the capital flow? Where do the trade flows go? You're going to have winners and losers from that. This is not even a long term play. This is an ultra long term play. But I think this is some, something everyone should be starting to get in their heads when they're thinking about making investments for the, for the medium or long term. Um, in terms of sectors, technology certainly, but it's going to feed through. I mean, healthcare right now, all the biotech, that's going to be hit by this. You're going to see a number of different sectors impacted, I think, over time. So do you think it's just been a false narrative when you talk about tr a trade deal um, that, you know, the forced technology transfer and the IP theft has really been at the heart of this? And when we think about it, two-year long trade. But on a near-term basis, it seems like we're just focused on this trade deficit. And if we do have a deal about the trade deficit, that tariffs are going to become more prevalent as a compliance sort of mechanism going forward. And we might have just greater volatility with trade with countries like China going forward. That's a really good point. I think the, the investors have kind of confounded these two issues, right? The tech, tr Cold War, and trade, they're parallel paths. These are different issues that just overlap to a degree. So when the trade deal included that China had to change its laws on tech, that's where these two things collided and where the Chinese, I think, said, you can't tell us to change our laws. That's our country's right. Um, but I think to your point, you know, the government is realizing that tariffs can be a, affect a political tool. There's, there's bipartisan support in a lot of fronts for, for going hard on China, not necessarily the trade war, but going hard on China. So I think tariffs are a tool that may be with us for a while. And the longer it lasts, back to your point earlier, Tim, on Europe. So the longer the tariffs are in place, the harder and longer the hit to the manufacturing sector globally. So you look at the manufacturing sector PMIs, you look at places like Germany that are exposed to this. The longer this goes on, it's a cumulative effect those countries can't bounce back. So, so many companies across sectors were looking to China and that area of the world for growth. And if you eliminate that or severely cut that expectation back, should multiples be capped then in the long run? I mean, people are still going to want to do business in China. Sure. It's, I mean, it, even if growth slows in China, it's still it's a big pie that's still growing. And you've got this amazing consumer base that's getting more and more mature and sophisticated about what they want to buy. So I think you're still going to see capital there. You're still seeing businesses that want to go there. But if you have that incremental dollar, that marginal dollar, do I want to invest it in China or Vietnam? Or, or do I want to invest it in China or maybe a Scandinavian country if I'm telecom? Now you have a conversation. Before, it wasn't a conversation. It was a done deal. Right. So now I think you're going to see more diversion in companies as they're making those longer-term decisions, especially if they think this is going on for the foreseeable future. Rebecca, so, thank you. Rebecca Patterson yeah. Bessemer Trust. We appreciate it. Um,
your incremental dollar? Where does it go these days since you're looking at uh, the world? Well, uh, yeah, she, she brought up a, a Tencent and, and, you know, an Alibaba and some of these names. I mean, I, I just I don't think that these are trade war stocks in the way they are treated. And in fact, I think, you know, we talked about uh, and, and I think Mark even talked about places where you're going to see some extreme opportunities to be buying. I mean, look, I think Apple at one hundred and eighty dollars um, is is getting to be extreme. I think certainly if you look at the move from one ninety five down to one sixty uh, on Alibaba, almost like that. In fact, that we probably closed through that. So um, I think you have an idea where where I think companies that are true tech players that are not necessarily reliant on global uh, global capital flows are, are going to be at risk. I, I think you have to really be careful about data as the new oil. And this is this whole Cold War concept that she's talking about. Think about where we were 10 years ago and, and what, how protectionist we were over resources. Every country in the world is going to be doing this right now on tech. I think quickly, I think the, the microscope is going to be off healthcare. Healthcare actually hangs in there pretty well. You look at UNH, by the way, quickly up 11.5% over the last couple of weeks, and I think that continues to go higher. But I'll mention, Tim mentioned EEM, as did Rebecca. I'll say this. In terms of the ETF EEM, 38.5, better hold. That was the low back in October. Recent low again. Breaks 38.5, and, and things get very dicey very quickly. So I think there's some huge opportunities. You mentioned healthcare. So I think there's some huge opportunities within medical devices, medical equipment. Uh, a few names we like, Intuitive Surgical. I think there's great opportunity there. Uh, you're seeing more and more surgeries nowadays being done by or with robots, and they're really one of the leaders uh, in that industry. Uh, another one we like is Abbott Labs. You know, they're doing great stuff with diabetes management, so I think there's good opportunities there. Yeah, I just mentioned that, you know, Apple, obviously China's been huge for them, but it's also been a huge source of volatility. And then you also, when you think about global growth for some of our tech behemoths, they've been unable to get to China and they may never be now. That's Facebook, that's Amazon, that's Google, and it's Uber, you know, so the list um, goes on and on and on. And you have to see how do you price incremental global growth if China's not going to be a part of it? All right. Coming up, Tesla hitting the skids, breaking below $200 a share today before pairing some of those losses. Just how low can Tesla go? The traders will weigh in. Plus, check out this mystery chart. This stock is up 50% so far this year, but the chart master says this name has come too far too fast. We'll break down the trade. And later, we've got a slew of retail earnings this week. The traders tell you the names they are shopping, the names they are dropping ahead of those big reports. We're live from Times Square in New York City. Much more Fast Money right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Maybe it's less about reaching a magic number and more about discovering the magic in life. At Edward Jones, our dedicated financial advisors are the people you can count on for financial strategies that help support a life you love. Because the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Learn more about our comprehensive approach to planning at edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Welcome back to Fast Money. Tesla shares hitting the skids again today after Wedbush warned the clouds are getting darker for Elon Musk and his company. The stock briefly dipping below $200 at the day's lows for the first time since late 2016. Phil LeBeau joins us from Chicago to break down Tesla's breakdown. Phil. And Melissa, as you look at why Tesla tumbled today, again, ninth day, I think, in the last 10, where it has moved substantially lower. Let's start first off with the Wedbush note. It wasn't just that they cut their price target uh, for Tesla. I think they dropped it down to $230. But the language in there where they questioned the demand for the Model 3, and they said, look, it's going to be like a Kilimanjaro hike in order to achieve profitability. Well, that had people saying, 
What exactly can we expect from Tesla when it comes to the financial performance? Their estimates have been plunging. How quickly have they gone down? Go back to December 31st of last year. And when you look at Tesla's, the consensus that was out there, according to facts that back in December, it was at what, $6.47? February, it was still holding up pretty well. People expected a profitable year for 2019, 568. Then the first quarter deliveries were disappointing. It dropped to 412, and April was just a disaster. That's when most of the analysts said, look, they're going to lose money this year. And now the expectation is for Tesla to lose a buck 15 for 2019. It is down almost 50% from its 52 week high, which was set back in august that's what we're showing you here go back to august 7th this stock was what up at 378 379 dip below 200 briefly today guys down 48 49 percent since august and that was around the time of the funding secured for 20 tweet right phil right and and one last thing melissa i've had people say to me well what would it take in the past elon musk would tweet or would say something and that would move the stock higher his levers, the levers he can pull, they're a lot more limited now. Look, they already went to the capital market so they could get more money, so they've got liquidity for a little while. In terms of new models, they showed you the Model Y. They showed us the pick, the semi-truck. What, what can they show us next to make people say, wow, I see the future. I see what's coming up for Tesla. We're in a period here where you're waiting to see if the demand is truly softening for the Model 3 or if they can come through with the guidance that they have put out there in terms of uh, deliveries this I year. I think the skepticism really got ramped up, Phil, uh, when they came out with guidance and the ramp from 63K to as many as 90 to 100K in the following quarter. I mean, yep. that's when the eyebrows started getting raised, really, on the street, I right. think. Right. And everybody's saying, can you really deliver, what, 99,000 per quarter for the rest of this year? There's a lot of skepticism there. Yeah. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau on Tesla. Um, Phil didn't mention, but of course, the autonomous event also when Elon Musk promised a fleet of autonomous <laughs> taxis that would take to the streets. And that still also didn't bring uh, the stock higher. Well, I mean, you were off last week, but we mentioned a, a, video, a TV game called uh, No Whammies. You remember that show? I was show? here. You were here for that? Thank you for remembering my presence. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> But anyway. I said, press your luck. And Tim's been pressing his luck. And you know what? Good for Tim. He's been spot on. I'll say again, 180 was a low November 2016. That's where it's headed to. And again, it feels as though it's overdone to the downside. Probably still has more room. How far are you pressing? Uh, I, I tell you what. I mean, we, if you want to just think about market dynamics, you've, you've got a lot of margin calls in here. You've, you've broken all support. Um, you, you've lost all institutional support. Um, what might be traditional oversold conditions, I don't think so. Uh, and I would just get back to what you said on deliveries. Look, let's, let's be clear on a couple things. First of all, they pulled forward two and a half years of backlog demand on the Model 3 and cranked a lot and pulled a lot of demand forward because of tax credits right before the end of the year. The, the demand's just not there. Um, and to get 90 to 100,000 uh, each quarter for the rest of the year, um, do you really believe they believe that? And if they don't, I'm not sure how we prove this. But again, it gets into this whole dynamic here with this company where, um, you know, what is what constitutes these guys uh, not being truthful? Um, and, and you can't tell me that they can't look at at their order cycle right now in their delivery cycle for the second quarter and have a better stake on that. So again, I get back to demand, I get back to balance sheet, I get back to credibility, I get back to corporate governance, and, and I don't know who buys the stock here. I agree. I think this thing's headed for about 100 bucks a share. I can't wow. see how it's valued much sure? higher than that. No, Are you sure? Okay. Sure. Uh, but I do think it goes lower. I think it's going to continue to go lower. We've been bearish for a while. I do think demand is waning. You had a lot of pull forward at the end of last year to take advantage of the, the tax credit, which was cut in half. 
the, you know, in the past they, they were competing on quality. Now they're trying to compete on price and quality suffering. And what does Tesla really do? I mean, a jack of all trades, master of none. I mean, they're doing electric vehicles. They are doing insurance. They're doing robo-taxi, spaceships. And I, I don't know what they're doing, but they're not focusing and they're not executing on their core business. Yeah, so today, credit markets, you look at the five-year CDS, it's up spiking. You saw their 2025 convert. It's down trading near, I think, all-time lows. Um, so the credit market's definitely taken notice here. I just mentioned this, though. From an equity standpoint, open on the lows, close on the highs on big volume. So again, when we sit here as a desk, and I was wrong last week by saying the same thing, it's really hard to press it. It seems like it's a universal um, short, and there's the person to buy it are the shorts, I guess. And that's how you know you get them skipping over each other on a near-term short squeeze. For more on Tesla and what's next for the stock, head over to tradingnation.cnbc.com. I'm Melissa Lee. You're watching Fast Money on CNBC, first in business worldwide. Here's what else is coming up on Fast. Get in, loser. We're going shopping. Yep. Investors are heading to their favorite stores this week as a number of big retail stocks report earnings. We'll tell you the names that traders are shopping and dropping. Plus, it's my opinion that we've gone too far as it is, sir. That's right. The Chartmaster says a number of stocks with out-of-this-world moves this year have come too far too fast. He'll give us the names. There's much more Fast Money after this. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, click, click. Writer's block. Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. Canva. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome back to Fast Money. Despite the recent market turmoil, the S&P 500 is hovering just 4% below all-time highs as we approach the halfway point in 2019. Our Bob Pisani is live from the New York Stock Exchange with more on the market's biggest winners. Hey, Bob. Hello, Melissa. You know, the S&P is still up 13% this year, but it's come off its historic high of several weeks ago, as you mentioned, as trade issues with China are once again the single largest source of downside risk to the markets. Take a look here. This year's percentage leaders are a very diverse group. It's really not represented by any particular sector. Some are merger-related. So Anadarko, for example, that's up on the Occidental deal. Some are market leaders in their own particular space. So, for example, cosmetics giant Cody is rallying on good earnings and a very strong e-commerce platform. And, by the way, a very heavy short base there that's leading to some short covering recently. Hess is one of the very few strong performers in energy this year, but it's got a new pipeline of low-cost discoveries, very critical, particularly in Guyana, that it's going to fuel oil production growth for them over the next decade. Chipotle, recovering from its food safety incidents of last year, it's been outperforming, though, other fast casual restaurants on superior management, that simple menu, pleasing restaurant designs, and some very strong digital efforts that seem to be paying off. Finally, perennially challenged Xerox, this is just a tough, lousy business. It's imaging equipment. 
It's been in structural decline for years as the workplace has become more digital and rivals like Hewlett Packard and Canon grow their market share. That's been a very big issue, but the company's earnings have been growing. They're up 30% year over year in the last earnings report, Melissa, and they're one of the most aggressive buyers of their own stock out there anywhere in the S&P. They've reduced their shares outstanding by about 30% since 2012, and Melissa, that makes them a buyback monster in my book. Back to you. All right, Bob. Thank you, Bob Bassani at the New York Stock Exchange. Tim, do you like any of these uh, market leaders? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, if you have a case where you, you look for um, you know, stocks to continue to perform in an environment where growth is challenged, I mean, I think you have to kind of stay with what's been working. So, um, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, I, I think you want to find EPS growth in the tech sector, and that's probably where we go. Yeah. Mark, how about you? Uh, not really. I mean, we, I talked about Cody last week. So Cody's one I'd be staying away from. I think their debt levels are way too high. They're at like 5.8 times net debt to EBITDA. Uh, they're, they're really struggling in that mass consumer market, uh, you know, bringing on uh, P&G's beauty business with CoverGirl. I just think it's kind of a, uh, a situation that's not really going to work well for them. Hess has had a huge move, and it trades at a big valuation. But if you look, maybe they've turned things around. Now, you say 35 times foreign earnings, that's crazy. Yeah, but I don't think it's a valuation play. It's maybe they've actually figured it out after a decade of floundering. So I think out of all the names he mentioned, Hess might be the most interesting one. All right. Well, Cody and Hess and the rest of the S&P 500 high flyers aren't the only names tearing it up in 2019. The Chartmaster says there are two overlooked names that may be about to fall to earth after a soaring start to the year. Carter Worth over at the Plasma to break it all down. Hey, Carter. Hi. So just picking on two names that have been impervious to all things, uh, just classic idiosyncratic growth names, but they seem a little hot, a little ahead of themselves. Names that you might know, Planet Fitness, one of the fastest growing uh, sort of workout joints, if you will, to put it in a not very pleasant way. And then Wingstop, it speaks for itself, they sell wings. Um, Two-year charts, this is an incredible kind of thing. Uh, Great runs are what they are, but they have setbacks, and sometimes they have end of the great run. Now, just to put this in context, let's look at this compared to, well, the mighty Microsoft and Visa. You're talking about stocks that have doubled and tripled uh, both these great uh, winners, which they in turn have tripled the performance of the NASDAQ. So just in a two-year period, a lot of money's been drawn in, and I think they're a little hot, and at a minimum, if one's long, take some profits, and then with a little fortitude, uh, get short. Now, Wall Street, of course, is a cheerleader kind of thing. Very few stocks are rated sells. And you see it here for Planet Fitness, they're all buys. There are three holds. Hold is a euphemism for sell, means wink, wink, sell. But there are no outright sells. You don't want to offend the bankers. Uh, This speaks for itself. Let's go on to uh, what we see here for um, Planet Fitness. The average price target is 79.08, but it closed Friday at 80. So even though no one's got to sell, the current price target for 12 years out is below where it is now. Uh, well, how about the next one? So Planet Fitness, where could it go? At a minimum, I think you check back to trend. So the betting here is that we're going to get this, this, that brings you somewhere down in here. And then for Wingstop, eight buys, actually a sell there, seven holds, so a little less uh, euphoric, but still the principle is the same. And here too, average price target is 77. It closed Friday at 79. So according to the street, it's supposed to be a buy, but it's supposed to go lower. Uh, all a little bit muddled. Um, Wingstop. The betting is we come down to trend. And so if that's the bet, let's put in our arrows and make that bet. 
Uh, I would trim them both if you're long or buy puts, do something. All right, Carter, come on over to the desk. Lizzie's going to bring the chair in. Evan is out today. Evan's so out. Lizzie is here. Right. Thank you, Lizzie. Thank you, Lizzie. Just in case you at home are wondering where Evan was. All right, so you don't like Wingstop. Um, you don't like Planet Fitness. But how about some of the names that Bob had mentioned that also had strong starts to the year? Hess, Cody, Anadarko, well, Chipotle. Well, each one's different. Cody's a stock that, that was being priced for bankruptcy. Yeah. Right, and it's come off the, the bottom because of prospective deals or some sort of sale and so forth. I, I think the thing about these two stocks, just in particular, is that we know that fads take on a life of their own. The restaurant business is a disaster. There have been all sorts of things like Boston Chicken and Kosi and uh, think about the other names, Einstein Bagels and Ruby's. It goes on. Basically, they get very popular. Kona Grill, Noodles and Company, Benihana. It goes on. Wow. And then, they all, you. He's just and then what happens? They all fall down to earth. It's very hard to get into the pantheon of the restaurant business. That would be Starbucks, McDonald's, and a few others. Basically, uh, Chipotle. So the fad can go for a long time, but it never goes forever. And then uh, the, the gym thing, I mean, it's the same. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm just going to switch gears because I'm not interested in either of those names. What about a Cisco that had this monster rally last week? Okay, it sold off with the S&P over the last couple of weeks, but then they had news and they gave better guidance than people expected and had a huge um, rally on volume. Do you want to buy a stock like that in a market like this that's feeling maybe a little dicey right here on any pullback? Well, so Cisco has the trajectory of the market. It bottomed on the 24th. It peaked. It drew down 11 percent. And then it gapped on its earnings, just what you're And now it's pulled back. All things held equal. I'd rather have something that just gapped up on its earnings than something that didn't. I want to just quickly mention, so Wingstop, I've never been. And Carmen, oh, you should never go. It's I can just tell you it would be bad for, for your me. health. I'm just telling yeah. you and, that. And that's fair. And I appreciate the warning. But, you know, this weekend was the Preakness Stakes in Baltimore. Carter's aware. And sometimes you don't bet on a horse, you bet on a jockey. Guy, what are you, what's what are your you point? What are you talking about? Thank you. I'll mention my point. Now, who has gotten CMG right, Chipotle? Not me. T- none of Not us. Me. But Action. Nicole Miller-Regan oh. at Piper, Piper Jaffray, Jaffray yeah. spot on. Why do we mention that guy? I'm glad you asked, because she just initiated Wingstop with a buy and an $88 price target. If you look at their quarter, very strong. Comps almost double what the street was looking for. Maybe she's on to something. So as much as I love CBW, and I on do. On Wingstop. It can't can go, but it's just, think about Shake Check. They all, almost all end the same way. It's in tatters on the floor. Tatters. Carter, thank you. Good to see you. Carter Braxtonworth. Coming up, big box retailers on deck to report earnings this week. We'll tell you which ones the traders are shopping and which ones they are dropping. Plus, T-Mobile hitting its highest level in more than a decade today as its merger with Sprint gets one step closer to reality. But some are betting the rally could be short-lived. We've got the details when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. A slew of big retailers set to report earnings this week, including names like Home Depot, Lowe's, Kohl's, Target, Best Buy, and Foot Locker. So ahead of all the big earnings releases, we thought it'd be a great time to play. Shop it or drop it! That's right. Shop it or drop it. One of our favorite games here at Fast Money. We kick things off today with Kohl's down 5% this year, set to report tomorrow. So, Tim, first contestant up, shop it or drop it. Let's get out of the gates clear. Sometimes these games are hard. I'm dropping this one. Um, I just think you're you're uh, not buying it. You're selling it. I'm selling it. I like it. I just want to make sure. I mean, I just. the people at home. You I'm selling it, it. I'm dropping it. I'm dropping it. it. I'm taking it out of my basket and I'm throwing it back out because I think Kohl's is one of uh, about 
nine uh, big box stores that are under a lot of margin pressure from labor. Uh, they're going to be under major margin pressure from, from import prices that are going higher. And I think at some point we are so far overstored in terms of floor space per capita in this country for these types of stores. That's why they're all beating each other up on competitive forces. I don't want to own it here. I, I really just clarified that for Guy. For, yeah. So when he plays, he understands. First of all, you know, I like music. And when all the artists drop things, they drop their music. That's a positive thing. Exactly. So if you're just in a music genre, and when you're so, shopping something, like the Mets are probably shopping 90% of their team, that's a bad thing. So, I mean, you can understand how I'd get confused. Well, that's why I clarified. With clarify. that said, <clears throat> I, would, I would, now they report tomorrow before the bell, as you we mentioned. That, the stock yeah. has gone from 76 down to 62. 60 was the low, I would say, over the fall. I would shop it. So put that graphic up and say, you know what? It's had a huge move to the downside. Everything Tim talked about is probably priced in. They report tomorrow. Hope it flushes to 60. Then you shop that sucker, Mel. Mark, what would you say? Uh, I'd be shopping this one. So I think they've got a huge positive catalyst that's out there right now with their, their partnership with Amazon. So, you know, they do have the ability, and they're going to be adding that to stores over the course of the next few quarters. They're going to have the ability to accept returns from Amazon, which is going to drive foot traffic right into their store. So I'd be shopping it. Next stock. Foot Locker, up 4% this year. Dan, shop uh, it or drop it? Mel, I'm shopping this one. And, you know, I'm just going to kind of channel my inner Karen Fairman, if I could. Uh -huh. This is a big name with her for a while here. This thing is actually really cheap. I was just looking at it. They report Friday morning before the opening. Trades about 10 times. Um, you know, earnings are per share expected to grow 10% this year. Uh, mid to low single digit sales growth. They just made an investment in the GOAT. App guy, you know what mm -hmm. the goat stands Greatest for? Greatest of all time. Yeah, well, nice. that's a that's a sneaker wow. marketplace a that <laughs> also owns Flight Club here in New York and in L.A. And these guys are doing a partnership with them. I think that gives them a certain amount of cred within this demographic that's growing in the sneaker universe. So to me, I think you could see them actually buy goat at some point. This would be a very interesting online offline combination, in my opinion. I think it's a cheap stock. I think it's going higher. You like Nike, so do you like FL? I like Nike. I'd rather have DTC right. through Nike. I don't think, you know, FL ultimately, I think they have a place, but I think the valuation needs to be, the multiple should be moving lower. Therefore, I would be dropping, not shopping. Now, did you look up GOAT on your internet? No, it's funny because somebody because put that on like a hashtag GOAT on, uh -huh. the, on, their, and, on the Twitter machine, and I saw I looked it up. It up then. And, and the first thing it said was like the An animal, animal GOAT. And I said, it can't be that. And GOAT then, boy on Saturday Night Live? No. Yeah, that was dude. one of the best yeah. skits ever. Oh, boy. Boy. Yeah. Shop it we'll or drop it, it's a locker. I would, you know what? Drop it. I know Dan's a, a shop it. I'm going to drop it. I mean, shop. if you look, this is at a huge move off the lows. It was a $30 stock a year and a half ago. It's at a huge move. I think a lot of it's priced in. I would, what do I got to do? Drop it ahead Wait, of earnings. What about your thing in ET last week that set me off? That's New it. retail. You New retail. And let me tell you something. I'm yeah. a millennial, but I've been buying kicks on the Goat app, and I think it's pretty cool. And I think that's one way to get kids back wanna, into this Do you want to show us what you're wearing right now? No, please. Oh, those are his fancy sneakers. Wow. Um, we're right. going to move on now. <laughs> uh, Lowe's reporting Wednesday. Mark Tepper, shop it or drop it. Yeah, so I'm going to shop this one. So the consumer is still strong and existing home inventories are low, which means more and more consumers are going to opt to fix up the homes they're already living in. And I do prefer Lowe's over Home Depot. And they, with their new CEO in place, it's more of a turnaround story. So I'd be shopping this one. I like that. Would you rather within shop it or drop it? That's a game within a game. Very complicated.
complicated. Yeah, and so and let me use a metaphor. The opposite guys used a Mets metaphor on shopping, and might you know how about the Yankees are probably shopping for a new third baseman because their their third baseman's out for the year. So if I'm going to Lowe's, uh, I'm also shopping this one because I do think it trades at a discount to Home Depot. People might say because of what's going on in the housing market, what's going on with taxes and salt states and whatnot, that actually uh, people will be under pressure to invest in their homes. I think with rates falling through the floor, people are taking out fresh home equity loans and they're going and reinvesting in their homes. Next talk, L Brands. Mm -hmm. Shop it or drop it, Guy. Now, in in a vacuum, I drop it, but in the aggregate, I drop it, and we've been steadfast on dropping. No, because no matter what, we've talked, we said that. What's Drop this thing, huh? What does that mean? For, it your, means we've vacuum. said stay away from this for years, despite the fact that we play the gratuitous, gratuitous footage, yeah. which you all like. I'm not a fan of. We've said stay away, and that's Why been don't correct. You like it? I just don't like that. We don't need to do a that thing. It's a family show. I mean, it just it makes no sense on so many different levels. If it rallies after earnings, you sell it again. Still ahead, video game stocks getting slammed today. The stocks were among the worst performers in the S&P 500. We'll hear from the CEO of one of these companies next. Plus, Sprint and T-Mobile soaring today as they get one step closer to a merger. But one trader says, don't get hung up on a deal because it could be a bad connection. (laughs) More on that when Fast Money returns. Welcome back to Fast Money. The FCC and the DOJ battling over a major merger between Sprint and T-Mobile. FCC Commissioner Ajit Pai saying today he plans to recommend approval for the deal, but the DOJ still reportedly leaning against allowing it to go through. The options market isn't convinced either. Dan is over at the Plasma with more. Dan. Yeah, so hey, Mel, so today obviously both these stocks gapped up, Sprint a lot more than T-Mobile, but uh, put volume in T-Mobile was two times that of calls. Um, a lot of positioning for this deal. There's obviously no certainties about this, and I think, um, you know, in the instance that we're going to talk about, one trader uh, when the stock was about 80 bucks was a buyer of 1,000 of the June 77 puts, paying a buck 68 for those, those break even at 75.32 on the downside in a month. And you know what, guy, I would call this, maybe it's like the FCC won't let me be trade, right? So if this thing doesn't go through, maybe this trader is looking for some protection um, to the downside because they are long the stock, um, hoping that the stock continues to rally. Let's just kind of look at this. It's obviously been consolidating. This is T-Mobile, the one-year chart. Over the last few months, you have this big breakout on big volume. This is the break-even level. So if you're long, maybe it's one way to put some short-term protection in this thing. Here's the thing. We know that T-Mobile has been uh, a rumored acquirer or maybe an acquiree over the last few years. This is the 10 year chart. We see this after this very long consolidation. We had this breakout, another consolidation here. One way or another, T-Mobile is in play. They're either going to get this merger done with Sprint or maybe a big cable company buys them. I would not expect too much downside if this deal doesn't get done. We saw a lot of stocks move uh, on the back of of all this news surrounding this particular deal. Verizon, AT&T were up, but also the the cell tower stocks were up as well. But you go go back to T-Mobile. It was April 16th. I think the news dropped, once again, to use that term on this show, DOJ said it's probably unlikely for this merger to happen. The stock traded below 70. On the show that night, we said T-Mobile is too cheap. Buy the stock 12% higher. Here we are. John Ledger, CEO, is a stud. I think this play continues to be, despite the move, TMUS to the upside. All right. For more options action, check out the full show Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. Coming up, check out the Kramer cam. There's Jim talking to the Take-Two CEO, Strauss Zelnick, after that stock sank today. We will bring you a sneak peek of that interview. We are live at the NASDAQ in Times Square. Much more Fast Money still ahead.
Welcome back to Fast Money. Video game stocks tanking today amid a shakeup surrounding Activision's popular Call of Duty franchise. A report over the weekend saying lead developers Sledgehammer and Raven will no longer be in charge of the latest edition of the game due to ongoing conflicts between the two. But the game is still expected to be released on time in 2020. Take-Two CEO Strauss Zelnick sat down with our own Jim Cramer moments ago to talk about the esports boom. Esports are already watched by 250 million people and 125 million people consider it a primary entertainment vehicle. That's watching people play video games competitively. The NBA 2K League is in its second season. We have 21 teams participating. You know, it's, it, we're off to the races. Shares of Take-Two, Electronic Arts, and Activision all down more than 20% off their high. So is today's move a sign of more pain to come? Tepper, what do you say? Uh, look, I like esports. I think it's a, a trend that you have to be a part of. I mean, viewership's growing at 40% year over year. Uh, they're selling out the Staples Centers for three straight days for where people watch their, their League of Legends championships. So I think this is something you have to be a part of. I am concerned about Activision uh, really replacing developers on their, their key franchise. Uh, but hopefully this ends up being a great buying opportunity because the long-term thesis still stands intact. The, the, the issue here is everything Strauss says is, is true. Everything uh, Mark says is true in terms of the sector and the growth and the excitement. But, but the valuations and the multiples in, in, this, in the space are clearly undergoing a, a, a reassessment. And so uh, I like and I own Electronic Arts. I think the Apex Legends franchise is something that's going to jumpstart their fourth quarter. But, you know, what do you pay? What's the multiple? I'm still not sure I know. Quickly, I think Take-Two is the best of breed. I think they have the most, the, the highest played games for sure. 20 times forward earnings for them, to me, it's not that crazy. I just think they've gotten caught up in sort of the rest of the selling with the rest of the space. So if you force me to choose would you rather, it's TTWO, Melms. Thanks for self-would you rather. Self-would you rather. Be sure to check out Jim Cramer's full interview with the Take-Two CEO, Strav Zelnick. That is coming up at the top of the hour. Coming up next, Final Trades. Welcome back. The Fast Money family is growing. Check out baby Seamus oh, so Mark cute. Doyle, born Saturday, May 18th, weighing in at 7 pounds, 4 ounces. A big congratulations to our line producer, Bree, and her husband, Ryan, on their bundle of joy. Look how cute. Look how cute Seamus <laughs> is. Time for Beautiful. the final trade, Tim. Beautiful baby boy. You know what you need to do? You need to go to Home Depot and buy that kid a crib. That's probably, <laughs> I don't know, you probably already have one. Anyway, I do think these earnings are something to buy into Home Depot. Mark Tepper. TJ Maxx, so off-price continues to be one of the strongest areas within consumer discretionary. Dan Nathan? Uh, yeah, so this Foot Locker is down from 65 to 55. I think it holds here. Um, like it endurance. I tell you what you do for the kid first off is stop playing this song because it might be the worst song of all time. It's probably crying. Who is this playing this song? I have no idea. It's awful. But I'll oh, say this. Coles reports in the morning. Buy it against 60 bucks. That does it for us. See you back here tomorrow at 5 for more Fast Mad Money starts right now. Bieber, dude. You seek the key, but first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today.